0: This morning, as we begin this chapter, the main topic Jesus will be teaching on will be about prayer. Specifically, the priority of prayer, the pattern for prayer, the persistence in prayer, and the promises for prayer. So, as you can see, I've titled this morning's message a lesson on tenacious prayer. And what we're going to be learning in this, in today's message is that is how and why prayer represents an integral part of a dedicated life. So, before we get into God's word, let's ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Lord we are thankful for being here this morning we it's been a busy week for most of us it's been a hard week a difficult week Lord and I just pray that you will hear the cry of our hearts Lord Lord we want to know you more we want to fall in love with you more, Lord, and and one of the best ways to do that is through prayer. Lord, so show us, speak to us the lessons that you were trying to teach your disciples in this passage, Lord, And, and may we apply them into our lives as well. Thank you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 11. Okay, so... I was thinking about this before I got here because it's, 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 a, it's a prayer the Lord prayed. I want us to stand and um, as I read these first four passages, if you don't mind. Um, verse 11, I mean, chapter 11, verse 1, the Word of God says, he was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive our sins. And and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive let me start that over give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation you can go ahead and sit down you there are many translations out there of this of the lord's prayer and yours may look a little different sound a little different I, one of the first things my mom taught me was was this prayer, and um, and as you'll see, it's an important prayer to know, to learn, to understand. A father walked by his daughter's bedroom bedroom door, which was cracked just enough so that he could see what she was kneeling that she was kneeling besides her bed in prayer. Interested to find out to find out what subjects a child would bring before God. He paused and listened. He was puzzled to hear her reciting the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. She just kept repeating it. He didn't want to interrupt her, but soon curiosity got the best of him, and he broke into her prayer. Honey, he asked. What are you doing? I'm praying, daddy, she replied. Well, why are you praying the alphabet? he asked. She explained, I started my prayers, but I wasn't sure what to pray what to pray. So I decided just to say all the letters of the alphabet and let God put them together however he thinks best. Have you ever felt that way? You knew you needed to pray but just weren't sure how? You didn't have the right words. You didn't know what was acceptable to God. Well, here the Lord is teaching us to pray simply, effectively, and beautifully. This chapter begins with a similar scene that we've seen several times in this gospel so far. The Lord Jesus is praying in a certain place. Well, from what Luke tells us, one of his disciples had been observing him and wanted to learn how to pray like him. And he probably wasn't the only one feeling this way. Why? You see, the disciples sensed that prayer was real and a vital force in the life of Jesus and saw his actions each day come out of his prayer life with God. Seeing then the importance of prayer in Jesus' life motivated them with a desire to have the same kind of prayer. See, there was something magnetic about the prayer life of Jesus that revealed the beautiful relationship that he had with God the Father. Now, apparently, it was a well-known fact that John the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray. So I have no doubt that they all knew how. But what was being requested here was to be taught to pray. You see, anybody, even a child, can learn to recite a memorized prayer. But learning to pray is a lesson that can only be taught. By Jesus, So Jesus responds by teaching them a model prayer, a prayer containing the essence of all prayer. And if you think about it, any other prayer is simply an application an amplific- and amplification of this prayer. If you were to read the prayers of the of back from when the church started, from the saints, from the, from the church fathers, and even some of the major prayers today that people are, have recorded in, in books and, and in hymns. And it is just an application, and amplification of this prayer. Otherwise known as the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer he gives here in verses 2 to 4 is just a modified version of the one he gave them in Matthew chapter 18 verses 9 through 13. And I believe it's essentially the same thing, it's just one sentence shorter. Now the fact that he repeated it here shows really how important it is. Also the fact that he did, he did not repeat it in the exact same way as in Matthew shows that it wasn't to be used as a, as a precise ritual or magic formula for prayer. So although it's somewhat different here, both versions have a significant purpose and meaning. The prayer he teaches them has six parts to it, a two-part address and five petitions. First of all, it begins with a direct address aimed At the Father. This means that prayer is meant to be an intimate talk between people who love and trust one another. Just as the same way as you would talk to your wife or talk to your child or talk to your best friend or talk to a parent, talk to your father, your human father, your human mother. It's supposed to be an intimate conversation. What's interesting here is that Jesus didn't have to use all kinds of dis, dis, descriptive sorry, descriptive, adjectives to flatter his father or to gain his favor. He just simply called him father. This address simply establishes contact between two persons who are committed to each other in close family ties. Secondly, he teaches them to pray that God's name should be honored as holy. This expresses the longing of the believer's heart that he should be reverenced, magnified, and adored. For example, this was the heart of Hannah when he prayed in 2 Samuel 2.2, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you And there is no rock like our God. The third part, it's actually a petition that God's kingdom come. It shows that prayer isn't a tool to get what we want from God, it's a way to get God's will accomplished in us and all around us. In John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40. Our Lord Jesus said this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up. In the last day. The fourth part is a petition for daily bread. Here he's teaching us to pray on a daily basis for God to meet our physical and spiritual needs. We're to depend on him for the right amount of food to keep our bodies alive and strong and healthy and to give us the bread from God's Word to keep us spiritually healthy, strong, alert, encouraged. You see, we need both. We need food, water to stay alive, but we also need spiritual food to keep us spiritually healthy so that we can grow also, grow stronger in in maturity, grow stronger in our faith. The fifth part is another petition for the Father to forgive. To forgive us for the wrongs we've done against Him, for falling short for our sins, for messing up, and to forgive others for the wrongs that they have done to us. See, we shouldn't expect God's loving action if we aren't willing to practice that same kind of love towards others. Now, this doesn't turn prayer and forgiveness into a business transaction in which I forgive in order to be forgiven or one which God can only forgive if I forgive. No. Rather, I pray that God will truly transform my nature so that I will become like Him I pray that my focus will be on godliness and not on worldliness. The sixth part is a last petition for the Father to bring us, to to not bring us into temptation. Now, this is one of those passages, one of those verses that a lot of people have a hard time with, that they have a lot of heart, that just have a hard time understanding. Since James chapter 1:13 says that he, God, himself doesn't tempt anyone. But here's the thing: He does allow us to experience trials and testings in in, life's, in life, which are designed for our good. Here, in this prayer, that he teaches the thought seems to be that we should constantly be aware of our own proneness to wander and fall into sin the lord therefore is telling us to ask god to keep us from falling into sin and even when we might we might want to and to pray also that the opportunity to sin And the desire to do so should never coincide. You see, this final part of of the model prayer is a plea for protection from temptation and a confession of spiritual reliance. If we truly pray, lead us not into temptation, it will be lived out in several ways. It will mean Never boast in your own strength. Never desire trials. Never go into temptation. Never lead others into temptation. So simply have to pray. If you're sitting there and you... Are asking the Lord and wondering how you should pray, what you should pray, how to begin prayer. Memorize this, this prayer. So begin with that, and then go from there. There's, you know, He teaches us here, like I said, so many lessons, so many things on on, on how to pray. Everyone begins somewhere. Your prayers again don't have to be all theological, all wordy. Just talk to him as you would a father, your mother. A simple, straight-up conversation that, again, is honoring to him. But also, you know, as one of the most important things here, too, is to ask him regularly to forgive you of your sins. Because not, I bet you, not a day goes by where you're not sinning, whether it's thinking it, saying it, doing it. All of us sin, fall short of the glory of God. Even as believers, even as Christians, we still fall short. So we daily, constantly have to be asking for forgiveness of sins. I know even when, you know, when I mess up at home, when I, don't, when I forget, to, for instance, to fold the laundry, and Robin comes home from work at you know six seven o'clock and she's tired and she sees the laundry on the couch unfolded I know I messed up so I I do I have to tell her you know what babe I'm sorry I forgot or I slept through the day and I was really tired and um, if we if we can do this to those we care about if you can apologize to your parents to your wife for messing up it should be easy for you also Apologize to the Lord. Sorry for messing up. He knows when you're sincere about it. But don't apologize because you got caught. Apologize because you mean it. Ask for that forgiveness and he will give it to you. Now, in the next section that we're about to read, the Lord follows up this instruction on prayer with a parable on prayer and a principle about prayer. So let's go back to our passage here and, and continue where we left off here. In. Verse 5. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, let me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me And I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, "Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children have, and I have gone to bed. I can't, I can't get up and give you anything." I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you If his son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hopefully you all were able to see that the parable, that this parable we just read, or the, in the beginning here, taught the need for persistent prayer. And the principle taught here was a need for confidence in prayer. The parable Jesus used here was designed to show God's willingness to hear and answer the persistent prayers of his children, which are you, all of you, his children. The story has to do with a man who had a guest arrive at his home at midnight, in the middle of the night, but unfortunately he didn't have enough food at hand. So he went to a neighbor's house, knocked on his door, and asks him to borrow three loaves of bread. At first, the neighbor was annoyed by the interruption to his sleep, to his children's sleep, and didn't bother to get up. Yet, because of the prolonged banging and shouting of the worried host, he finally did get up and give him as much as he needed. Now, applying this illustration, we must be careful to avoid certain conclusion. This doesn't mean that God is annoyed by our persistent prayers. And it also doesn't suggest that the only way to get our prayers answered is to be persistent. What this parable does teach is that that if a man is willing to help a friend because of his shameless boldness, God is much more willing to hear the persistent cries of his children who are in the house with him. So, why does our Father in heaven answer prayer? Well, for a couple of reasons to meet the needs of his children, and two, to meet them in such a way that it brings glory to his name. Just like it says in verse two, your name be honored. And holy. You see, when people, when God's people pray, God's reputation is at stake. The way He takes care of us, His children, is a witness to the world that He can be trusted. Now, the question is often asked Does prayer change God's mind? Well, the answer to that question is a loud no. We can't change God's mind. But it does do a couple of things. First of all, it changes our circumstances in response to our prayers of faith. First John chapter verses 14 and 15 reminds us that when we pray according to God's will, He hears and answers. But when many forget about, about this verse, Is the key phrase according to his will and it also and that also includes his timing they only want to pay attention to he hears and answers but they forget about what it says right before that according to his will think of it this way a father plans to give his daughter a car when she turns 16 He knows by that time she will have a job, be active in church and school activities, and be able to pay for her own insurance. But he also plans to wait until she asks for it because he wants her to value such a gift. But at age 11, she begins to beg for the car. She pleads, bargains, and gets angry on her 12th, 13th, and 14th birthdays. And still there is no car. She matures a bit and stops asking. But then at 16, she approaches her father in a more thoughtful way, explains her need for a car, and expresses her confidence that her dad will take care of this need. In a very short time, he joyfully hands her the keys. Did he change his mind? No. He always had planned to give it to her. Did she need to ask? Yes, that was part of his decision. Philip, Philip Brooks said that prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, it is laying hold of his highest willingness. Secondly, prayer changes us by developing in us a heart and a passion for what God wants. See, it's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with being persistent, to persistently be praying about something you want or need. For example, this, illustri- this illustration I gave, girls for a, praying for a car. Maybe you're praying for a house. Maybe you're praying for a new job, a raise, a promotion. Getting into that college, getting into that, you know, um, joining an organization, a club, or, you know. It could be many things that you... It could be actually a lot of things that you could be praying for. But, again, there's nothing wrong with it. You're not doing anything wrong by praying for God to do those things, to to change your financial situation, your health, or even your living condition. But this is important. We must remember that our persistence doesn't change God. Rather, it changes us by aligning our hearts with His heart until His will is our highest goal. Our prayers should therefore sound something like this Lord, I want what you want for my life. And I trust you to know exactly, exactly what I need and when I need it. Because I know that you love me. Even if that means not getting that car, even if that means not getting that house, even if it means not getting that promotion, not getting into that school. Lord, I trust you and I know that if I don't get it, it's it's okay. You know what's best for me. You know, people get angry. God doesn't answer prayer. And again, we need to be careful about that too. How many times, you know, those of you who are parents, how many times have your kids wanted something? And you're like, yeah, no, no that's not it's not good for you. We know what's right for our children. They don't understand it. You know, like if my kid asked me for, a, you know, if Anthony asked me for a motorcycle at this age, would be like, yeah, no, <laughs> ain't going to happen. You know, I know that he's not ready for that. Maybe... 20, 30 years he will, I don't know, but um, you know, right now he's not ready for that. So, as believers, as his children, we have to be willing to understand that he will not, he's not always going to answer our prayers the way we want him to, and that's okay. He's showing us something. He's revealing things to us. There's still so much more that we need to understand and and when we do, if and when we do get these things, it, it will have so much more meaning to us. And we'll be able to glorify Him. Again, that prayer should be in trust that you trust the Lord that, because you know that He loves you and he, know what's, he knows what's good for you. What we then see in verses 9 through 10, is the point and principle of the parable. Believers shouldn't grow weary or discouraged in their prayer life. We're to ask God, seek something from Him, and knock expectantly at God's door. When He hears us admit you're in a position of need, I'm sorry, when he answers that door. Admit that you're in a position of need and helplessness and that you depend on his goodness and love. And to be honest, sometimes he answers our prayers the first time he asks. But in other cases, he only answers after prolonged asking. In John 15:1, Jesus called this remaining in some of your other translation it may say abiding in him and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 Paul exhorted, pray without ceasing so as we pray god will either answer to show us why will either answer it or show us why he cannot answer and then it's up to us to do whatever is necessary in our lives so that the Father can trust us with the answer. Then, in verses 11 and 12, Jesus uses another illustration to continue to make his point. Those of you who are fathers, and as, uh, you know, as the father myself, no good and loving human father would listen to his son, listen to his child, asking for something to eat, asking for food and reach down into a snake pit or a scorpion pit and give them a dangerous animal. Any dad who really cares for their kid wouldn't do that. If you're a good father, you're not an abusive father that's crazy in the head, you're not going to Give him a snake. You're not going to give him a scorpion. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to give him some kind of poisonous animal. You're not going to feed him. I was going to say something, but never mind. (laughs) You're not, you're going to feed him. You're going to want to meet his needs. If he asked you for an egg, I'm sure many of you would do whatever it takes to give him an egg. If he's asking for bread, you're going to, Give them your last piece of bread as you're maybe eating it. I mean, how many times, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, you're like enjoying something, you're eating something good, and your kid, small, wants it, and you're like, okay, here you go. You know, Yeah, that's, that's what a good father does meet his child's needs. Now, the fact of the matter is that compared to God, we all stand as evil sinners. So honestly, we cannot compare our love and goodness to God's. But still, as parents, we know how to give what our children need and we can be kind, generous, and protective towards them. So if this is the case with good dads, how much more will the Heavenly Father treat us? The truth is, more than we can imagine. You see, He has something better to give us. Something better to give those who ask. The gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift ensures we get get anything else we need. For the Holy Spirit becomes God with us, directing us to where we need to go to serve God and to meet our needs. Since this is the case, we shouldn't doubt God's desire to pour out His Spirit. He absolutely wants to do that. He absolutely wants to pour out His Spirit on on people. He wants to give His Spirit to them. But unfortunately... The problem for many is in receiving Him, saying, "Here you go. I'm, I want to give this to you." Many, many people are like, "No, I'm good. I don't need Your Spirit. I'm happy the way I am." Maybe many reasons why, but either way, we don't know or understand. There may be many, may, let me repeat that there are many we don't know the reasons why many people do that, but what they don't understand or know, is that in order to receive the Holy Spirit, a person must be born again, and the only way one can be born again is by placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior of their life, and maybe that's why people don't want to receive it they don't want to make Jesus the Lord of their they don't want to acknowledge him they don't want they they see and know about the things that he's done the changes he's made in people's lives but they're like it's not for me it's sad because God could do so much in their lives make them such a better person do great things for others and do great things, you know. Somewhere out there may be the next Billy Graham, maybe the next, you know, major evangelist that will bring revival. And all God's waiting on is for that person to receive the Holy Spirit. And it may be you. And it may be you watching, listening. He's waiting on you. To receive the spirit. What's your excuse? What's your reason why? It's an amazing gift. To receive that. To receive his spirit. If this is something you've never done, at the end of the message here, I can lead you in a prayer to accept Jesus into your heart. But before I do that, let me remind born-again believers us Christians, his children, of something. We shouldn't pray today. We shouldn't pray for the Holy Spirit to be given to us as an indwelling person because he did that at the time of our conversion. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 In him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. Instead, instead of praying for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which we already have, we should be be praying for the Holy Spirit in other ways. We should pray that we'll be teachable by Him, guided by Him, and that His power will be poured out on us in all our service for Christ as we minister, as we share the message, as we love those that are in the hospitals, as we love those that are um, hurting and pain and, and who think that they're unlovable, the outcasts of society, we love children as we love one another, that His Spirit will be poured out and that it just will continually, we'll just continually be filled by it. And that there will be an overflow of His Spirit so that others will see it and experience it. Now, as I begin to close, I want to quickly go over what uh, verses 1 through 13 has taught us. Jesus taught us to pray to God in the spirit and words of the bottle of prayer. Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation we also learn to expect to receive what you ask for if God is your father but again if it's according to his will to his purpose and his will and thirdly we learn to ask especially for the spirit so that all, our, all your petitions will be answered if an earthly father gives what is best to his children, surely our Father in heaven will do far more for us as his children. Now, earlier I mentioned if there was anyone who had never received the Holy Spirit, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to lead you in a prayer to do that, but but first, let me share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there was nothing at all we can do. No amount of works, no amount of anything can bring us back into a, a relationship with Him. To bridge that gap that exists between us and God. But as I said, he brought his son here to teach us, to love us, to show us who God really is. To be the exact, he was the exact representation of God. His words, the way he acted, the way he behaved, the way he talked was exactly how God is. But he But he died. He needed to die for for us in order to bridge that relationship. He died on the cross. Three days later, he rose and is now sitting at the right hand of God. And all you have to do to be saved is to believe in him, trust in him, And confess them. So, if that's you and you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord Lord and Savior, you're ready to confess your sins and and open the door to your heart to Him and to make Him your Lord and Savior, wherever you're at, close your eyes and bow your head and with all sincerity, with an honest heart, pray this. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I know that I've blown it. And I know that I've fallen short. I believe you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And I confess them now as my Lord and Savior. I lay my sins at the foot of the cross and ask that you wipe me clean, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord, and I accept your forgiveness. Now fill me, Lord, with your Spirit. Fill me with your love. Change me. Guide me. Teach me. Thank you for making me born again. I thank you. I praise you. I glorify you for all you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who prayed that, I want you to get a hold of us, talk to us, um, let us know that you've committed your life to Christ, and we'll lead you into your next steps. For those of us, those of you who are here today, we learned a lesson on tenacious prayer. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Don't stop. Do it as often as you can, regularly. He wants to hear from you. My son lives in California, and I do. Every day I wish that he would call me. I wish I could hear his voice. If I feel that way towards my child, how do you think God feels towards you? It Doesn't take much. This prayer here took, took a few seconds. To pray. You can sit, and you, I think I mentioned this before. You can sit in your car, sit at home before, when you wake up, before you go to bed. If you think that you don't have time to pray, you're too busy, you're just making excuses. He's not asking you for an hour, two hours to pray. If you can do that, great. I once read a quote saying that you know, if you pray, you, know, you pray two, three hours you'll grow more and more, you know, and, and your, your relationship will grow more and more. And that makes sense. The more time you spend with a loved one, the more you get to know them. But, so I'm saying, you can just, you, all you need is a few minutes. In the mornings when I get home I will, and Robin gets, goes to work, I sometimes just have 10, 15 minutes with, with her and talk to her. And when we're not talking about family business we're just hearing each other out how was your night how was your day and what's going on what's happening and I love that it doesn't take much doesn't take it's not a complicated thing just talk to Him Father this is what's going on you're amazing you're beautiful I love you forgive me Help me to forgive that person that hurt me. Help me to forgive and to love those who hate me, who want to hurt me. And let help me to see them through your eyes. Church, brothers and sisters in Christ, pray. Pray regularly. Let's close one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message here Lord we thank you for this prayer showing us to pray giving us that lesson to pray many of us we, we know how to we've memorized prayers but here you show us to pray Lord and that's much more important than just memorizing, reciting a prayer verbatim. Lord, we want give us a, give us more opportunities to spend time with you, Lord. May we recognize those times when we congest turn off the TV and get off the phone put it down and and just spend a few minutes with you help us to see that Lord and not be blinded by our own busyness by, uh, by the distractions may we see that you're more important than anything else in this entire life than anything else that is in front of us Lord, bless everyone here, Lord, and those who couldn't make it as well. Keep them safe this week. Bless this church, Lord. We ask that more people will be reached, that more people will want to be here, that will join us and be part of us. and Lord, there's so much we can do here for you, that we want to do here for you. May we just continue to grow as a church that loves you and cares for you and that wants to be a witness for you, Lord. Bless this week, Lord, and may we just have continue just to honor you with all that we do. Love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.